Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just What we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Now that census figures confirm California will lose one of its 53 seats in the U.S. House of Representatives, the state's Independent Redistricting Commission must draw district maps accordingly. We look at what that involves and the impact of one less political representative for the Golden State. And you, our listeners, are invited to join this conversation. There are a lot of explanations for California's slow population growth that resulted in the loss of the seat. What do you think the main reason is? And are you concerned about California losing a congressional seat, the impact of that? If you are, give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email forum at kqed.org. Joining us is Katie Orr, politics and government reporter for KQED. Katie, hi. Hi, Mina. Thanks for being on. And Sarah Sadwani is with us, professor, assistant professor of politics at Pomona College and a member of California's Citizens Redistricting Commission. Professor Sadwani, thanks so much for being on as well. Thank you for having me. So we're hearing that it was expected that California would lose a congressional seat. Did you expect it? Uh, uh, yes, you know, I think it, it was highly, uh, highly anticipated that California, um, would likely lose that seat given projections over the last several years since about 2017, our growth rate has been relatively flat. Um, although over the last 10 years, we have seen growth about, about two, 2.3 million people, actually, um, the population has, has grown by, um, but it was, it was very much anticipated that, um, that, that a seat would be lost. Certainly, I think many were hopeful that that wouldn't be the case. Um, but, um, but it didn't come as an, as a, as a huge surprise. Yes. I think there were even projections that it could have been worse, that California could have lost two or something like that. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I think a lot of people were very concerned, especially with the census happening during the pandemic, um, of what the impact of of the of the pandemic would be on on the ability to actually do that outreach and 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 really have a full and complete count of the population. 
And so Katie or uh, Sarah Sadwani is talking about basically just the population growth rate, which generally has been pretty slow nationally, but a little slower in California contributed to the loss of the congressional seat. You've been talking to experts about why California's population growth is slowing. What are you hearing? of reasons. Um, One, women simply are waiting longer to have kids. Uh, The average age that uh, a woman had her first child in California rose from 28 in 2010 to 31 in 2019. And that might not sound like a huge jump, but we have to remember that that's the average. Um, And so women are waiting longer. Consequently, they're having fewer children. Uh, There's also other factors involved in that. Um, for instance, California ha- tends to have a, a more highly educated population compared to some other states, and that also tends to push back the age uh, with which women have children. Housing costs here are extremely expensive. Some people may not have kids or are waiting to have kids until they can afford like a down payment. Um, there's also just the fact that our population is aging. This has been something that politicians here have talked about for for a long time. They call it the grain of California. Um, simply put, that older adults uh, are outpacing, uh, you know, the, the number of births. Um, and the state projects that by 2030, uh, more than 9 million Californians will be over the age of 65. Uh, there's also um, immigration. California has not been uh, seen as many people move here from other states. But for a long time, immigration from other countries kind of offset that. Uh, recently, especially under policies put in place by the Trump administration, that that uh, migration to California from other countries has slowed. So all of that combines means uh, that combined means that we are not seeing our growth is not keeping pace with the rest of the country. Mm. Sarah Sadwani, Katie is reminding me of, of the concerns that folks had about uh, former President Trump's immigration policies and the impact that it could have on the count, particularly the president's effort to add a citizenship question to the census, that there were concerns that that would have a chilling effect. Of course, the question was never added, but that the fight alone could have that effect. Um, also, the efforts to subtract undocumented immigrants from the counting process. Do you think that that played a role? It certainly could have. Um, you know, since being seated, um, the, the the commission since August uh, 2020 has been advocating for a complete count for all Californians. We were very much involved in in monitoring the end of the census as it continued on into into September and early October, um, and we're really pushing for uh, a full and complete count of all Californians and, and all people nationwide. Um, we had joined an amicus brief, in fact, um, specifically to, to promote that, that position that all people need to be, to be counted. There were, of course, many challenges, though, in reaching all Californians, um, given the, the, the policy changes or even the, the discussion of such policy changes. Um, for a host of reasons, there are many Californians who just simply lack a trust in government and don't feel comfortable filling out government documents and providing their personal information. So I think that's that's absolutely one concern. However, you know, at the same time, you know, there were really heroic efforts going on throughout the state um, to to have a broad 
broad outreach, even during the pandemic. Um, you know, so I, I, we do feel really confident that there were lots of, of folks on the ground, including community-based organizations and many others, um, that were really working in communities to be those trusted messengers to help them fill out the, those census forms. And as you said earlier, right, it could have been a lot worse. Um, I think had the, the count of California been um, not as robust, we might be looking at a, at a different situation. So I'm very definitely very thankful for all the work that has been done. Hmm. I guess a, a good way to think about it is whether the undercount, if there was one, um, would have been significant enough in your view to have made a difference. For example, I think I was reading a stat that in New York, if just 89 more people had been counted, they wouldn't have lost the seat. <laughs> I, I assume that the margins are not that tight in California. That's right. My understanding is the margins are, are more in the in the 200,000s um, here in California. Um, so we were certainly weren't as close as New York to losing a second seat. Um, but it, it was certainly a concern um, and, and definitely a conversation happening throughout the state of whether or not it would be one or two or none. Um, a lot of it has to do with the comparison of the growth rate between California as well and other states. Mm. Well, as I said to listeners, there are a lot of explanations for California's slowing population growth. What do you think is driving it most? And are you concerned about California losing a seat? Again, 866-733-6786, the number, email address, forum at kqed.org. Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum is where you can reach us. Deborah in Santa Rosa. Hi, Deborah. Nice to be able to tell somebody about what I observed because no one wanted to listen to me during the census-taking process. And what happened to you quickly? I think we may have connected with you just a bit late when you were already talking. During the census-taking process, you were a census-taker. What did you notice? Um, that the, the, the farm workers that lived on site, like at a vineyard, in mm -hmm. farm worker housing, they weren't counted. I think that the owners were scared about ICE, so they didn't report their farm workers. Hmm. Well, Deborah, thanks for sharing that firsthand experience. And again, it was helpful to to have that context from you, Sarah, just about the sheer the sheer numbers that we're we're talking about in California because it is so populous in terms of the impact of census taking. Joel tweets: the seat was lost because of the population migration out of California. My wife and I are planning to leave when we were able because of high taxes, expensive housing, brutal commutes, and more. Thanks for the experience, but we are looking at the door. Katie, or did you hear this uh, as well, that the out-migration of California, I mean, we, we did grow, we grew slower, but that out-migration outpaced that growth. Right. And I think that is an important thing to remember. The population still grew, um, but this, the number of seats in the House of Representatives is capped at 435. So depending on how the population is spread out around the country, that's why um, we we lost a seat because another place grew faster than we did. Um, but, you know, of course, this is going to give fodder to states like Texas who say, you know, come here, we're getting all of California's business and they're and they're residents. Um, we've already seen like the GOP in California blaming Gavin Newsom. Um, but to the point that the state 
really took an effort, made an effort to count everyone. I think um, someone pointed out to me, Paul Mitchell owns the company uh, Redistricting Partners, and he pointed out to me that if states like Texas and Florida had made the same effort that California did in terms of putting our own state money into backing up the census counts and really going out there and trying to get as many, count as many people as we could, they might have actually gained more seats. Florida gained one and Texas gained too, but they didn't put the same effort in. And so because of that, they didn't gain as many as they may have, and California didn't lose as many as we may have. So it's an interesting uh, way to look at it because, of course, California was responding to the Trump administration, and the Republican administrations in those states uh, felt that the, you know, the the federal effort was sufficient. Um, but it, it, it's one of those things where, of course, you're going to see it sp- spun a number of ways depending on uh, the state who is doing doing the spinning and, and sending the message. And as you say, California Republicans are saying that it's Democratic leaders' policies that have created skyrocketing home prices, depressed growth, and pushed a lot of this out migration. I do, though, want to turn to what happens now, Sarah Sadwani, and you're a member of the Citizens Redistricting Commission. And I should just remind listeners, it's a 14-member commission, which includes five Democrats, five Republicans, and four unaffiliated voters. So what are you doing? How do you go about redrawing the map now so that you have uh, 52 as opposed to 53. Yes, absolutely. That's that's the million dollar question right now is, is how the map will change and shift. Um, certainly we have our work cut out for us. In addition to the congressional, the 52 congressional districts that we'll be drawing, we also have all of the state legislature, the Senate, the assembly, as well as the board of equalization. So we have there's much work to be done. Um, we are largely in a waiting pattern at this point, awaiting last week, you know, we, or, or excuse me, earlier this week, we received the reapportionment data um, from the Census Bureau. That's, that's the federal level data, right? Giving us the total populations of each state and then divvying up the number of seats for, for the House of Representatives. So that's an important first step. But next, the Census Bureau will be creating a, a data file that brings all of this data down to the localized level. So we have a, 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 a neighborhood geography, ultimately, um, that will, will know how many people are living in small 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 geographic units. And we'll use that ultimately as the building blocks uh, for redistricting purposes. So during the time as we're waiting, you know, anxiously awaiting that data to arrive, um, we will be out talking with communities on the ground. Um, in 2010, the, the Citizens Redistricting Commission received over 20,000 um, submissions of pu- public testimony about where communities lie and what communities uh, um, the the public want to have kept together. Um, We're going to go out and do the same. Of course, during, you know, at this stage of the pandemic, much of that will continue to be virtual, though we're very hopeful that we'll be able to pivot uh, and actually go out and meet people in person one day in the, in the near future. Um, But we'll, we'll be doing a lot of, of gathering of that public testimony over the course of the next several months. Mm. Sarah Sadwani is a member of the California Citizens Redistricting Commission and an assistant professor of politics at Pomona College. Katie Orr is politics and government reporter for KQED. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Nina Kim. Let me go to Caprice in Santa Barbara. Hi, Caprice. Hi, how are you doing? Great. What's on your mind? 
Um, I just wanted to say that I have no problem with California losing a seat as long as it's Kevin McCarthy's. Uh, well, okay. Thanks for registering that. I'm not so sure she's right, though, Katie, or only in the sense that that what I'm seeing, the focus being is on L.A., actually, that Los Angeles is likely to lose a district. Uh, can you explain why so much uh, of the attention is on L.A. County potentially losing a representative? Well, Right. And I think we have to be careful because, um, as Sarah will, will tell you, you know, that yeah. a lot goes into drawing these lines. Exactly. And Sarah's like, let me <laughs> jump in here now. <laughs> right. And we can't, we can't, we don't know where uh, a district is going to be lost. And what is really, you know, going to happen is it's really interesting for congressional districts is how I understand it is they have to be as equal as possible. So if one district has six people more than the district next to it, they have to try and reconfigure so that those districts are equal. And so when you're juggling all those lines and you have to, you know, you have to eliminate one. Inevitably, districts that lost residents will expand and districts like in the Central Valley that gained residents will become smaller. And so as you fit all of those puzzle pieces together, um, that is how you'll figure out where you, quote unquote, like lose a district. But It's not like one's just going to drop off the map and others will kind of, you know, uh, get in there. It's a whole big puzzle piece that they have to fit together. Well, clearly, uh, Sarah Sadwani I guess what I'm wondering is, are you thinking about, is the district com- districting commission thinking about starting from scratch um, or or tweaking the existing districts? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great question. And, and Katie, thank you so much for that explanation, because that is the exact kind of kind of response that we have been giving also. You know, just to back up a little bit, I think the, the conversation about L.A. losing a district is most certainly um, the fodder of, of, of political pundits. But as Katie, Katie laid out, um, there's a lot of work to be done. And it's not as if we're just going to take a magic eraser and erase one district from L.A., where it, it's, it's an extraordinarily populated um, um, populated region uh, of the state. Um, uh, I forget exactly what was the question that you had. It's asked just me. whether I'm you so would sorry. tweak it or start from scratch, <laughs> oh. or you still need more data to make that decision. It sounds like, though, it sounds like you're going to have to make a lot of moves very quickly. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we haven't had the conversation to finalize our strategy plan as of yet. However, in terms of the congressional districts, my sense is that we would most likely clear the map and redraw 52 districts, largely because we have one less to draw. Mm. For the state Senate and the Assembly, that number of districts is static. Um, So if we were to take an approach in which we were readjusting, I, uh, I think that could potentially make sense. But but again, that hasn't been decided as of yet, and that's a decision for our, the entire 14-member commission. Richard in Santa Barbara. Let me see if I can squeeze you in quickly, Richard. Hi. Hi there. Uh, well, I just had a comment about the people people leaving uh, the area. I mean, I've been in this town now for 50 years, and I've had at least four dozen people that just left. And they each left with about $250,000, sold their homes, left to Arizona, Texas, uh, Nevada, uh, Oregon, Washington State, uh, Colorado, and all my friends have left. And now we have a very, well, of course, Santa Barbara, you have Montecito next door there. There's very wealthy people that live there. That's fine. But uh, it's uh, gradually changing the whole atmosphere of the of the area here. You know, everything is just mm. uh, extremely expensive. I mean, everything is expensive in the United States. So anyway, when I first got here, I was told that. And... Uh, but you, know, you you had home prices that jumped, you know, in one 
right a couple right. of months from from two hundred fifty thousand to five hundred thousand and up. Yes, Richard, you're getting at much broader questions about the California dream, which has come up a lot, and the changes that California is experiencing. And as this segment says, one thing we know for sure: California is changing to fifty-two congressional districts. So. Good luck to you, Sarah Sadwani. <laughs> really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Again, of Pomona College and on the Citizens Redistricting Commission. And thanks also, Katie Orr, a politics and government reporter for KQED. Really appreciate you as well. Thank you. And also thanks to Susan Britton and also to Caroline Smith for producing today's segments and to our listeners for sharing their experiences, insights, questions. As always, we really appreciate that. On Forum, you've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.